Nicholas, come in on this. What to do about Robert Mugabe? I'm you know, slightly intimidated since I'm the only member of your panel who um, isn't an African, isn't a, or isn't a Nobel Peace Prize winner, or isn't a president of a country. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you, 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 you don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> give us the outside observer's he's, objective. He's, he's also an honorary black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, um, I think that, I mean, in the case of Zimbabwe, um, it, it's become clear that so much of Africa has been uh, improving. And I mean, the glass is half full question. I mean, Africa is clearly, I think, filling up. But one of the real cancers on the region has been a few countries that become incredibly destabilizing. And one of the things we've learned from both uh, Central Africa and what happened in the Great Lakes area and also what happened in West Africa is that if you get one cancer, then it spreads throughout the region. The genocide in Rwanda completely destroys Burundi and, and, um, and Eastern Congo as well. What happens in Liberia affects uh, Sierra Leone, Cote d'Ivoire, and, and the whole region. And, you know, now we have um, Sudan and Zimbabwe as case studies of these incredibly destabilizing forces. Um, I think that the West has remarkably little leverage over Zimbabwe, and I think that's partly because I think the West vastly overplayed the white farmers issue. I think that, that came across, especially when Britain emphasized white farmers, that came across as, as Anglo-Saxon tribalism. And, you know, the real horror story there wasn't relatively small number of white farmers losing their land. It was vast numbers of black farmers uh, who were dying because aid wasn't being allowed in because of repression in, uh, in, in various parts of uh, Zimbabwe. So I think it has to come from elsewhere in, in, uh, in, in African Union, especially Southern Africa. Uh, I mean, I, if, I think President Mbeki has a tremendous amount of potential leverage there, moral leverage as well as economic leverage. Yes, but Bishop Tutu elliptically referred to the fact that Mbeki has not come forward and is seen in this country by a lot of people as someone who is on Mugabe's side. Um, yeah, and in the same way, I mean, South Africa uh, was clearly on Ian Smith's side uh, in, in the 1970s, but international pressure did force the South African regime to distance themselves from uh, Rhodesia, eventually to threaten to cut off electrical power uh, to Rhodesia. And, you know, ultimately that, that uh, did force change within Rhodesia. I think by the same token that the same combination, and I think it's, I mean, it's, it's granted, it's very hard to do, but this is not what Mbeki wants to do. Um, but I think that, that pressure can lead Mbeki and other neighboring states. Uh, Zambia has already been a leader in this. Um, uh, Botswana, uh, that, you know, can lead Mbeki to play a more constructive role. I was just coming to you, President Johnson, certainly. If you've already been complimented, I think, properly by uh, Bishop Tutu for your stance in this case, tell us what we go about it rather than, you know, we all wring our hands about it. What can be done effectively? Well, you know, first of all, I think we, we recognize and we did that Shama uh, Sheikh just the other day that there's a reluctance to to recognize the evil in our midst. And, and that's because um, there's so much solidarity and camaraderie with you know, uh, many of those who are similarly situated. 
Now we try to understand the Zimbabwe situation and Bishop Tutu can, can say if this is correct when we talk among ourselves. Uh, one of the reasons attributed to the um, reluctance of South Africa, for example, to intervene is that uh, first of all, you've got uh, with um, President Becky and others, the, the long-term revolutionary friendship yeah. and having fought the, you know, the forces of, uh, of colonialism and all of that, that uh, is a relationship that's very difficult for, for anyone to pull back from and to criticize the other. The, the second thing attributed to that is, is the whole land issue and that uh, South Africa itself is vulnerable on the land issue that if they push that button too hard and, and, and those who see this land issue as the main uh, reason for, for uh, President Mugabe taking the kind of unacceptable stance he does and, and uses the land issue as an excuse that South Africa itself, if they took a position contrary, yeah. could face the same difficulties. Now, uh, to answer your question, what can we do? I, I, think, uh, I think Africa has to do better on this. Uh, we had a despot in our country in Liberia too. And, and the leadership, the, the African leadership, West African leadership in this case, decided at some point enough was enough. But someone has to take the lead. Someone has to Who take the lead. Who takes the lead? Uh, in this particular case, unfortunately, the one to take the lead is the one with the superior military might. In this case, South yeah. Africa, like Nigeria was, you know, uh, in the case of Liberia. But I'm not sure if they're, yeah. they're willing. I, Bishop Tutu, Tutu can I, 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 I concur, uh, but would want to say we ought not to minimize the importance of having had I mean, Rwanda, Liberia, Nigeria, Botswana, Zambia, quite unusually uh, stood out and, and, and said this is not acceptable. So we've, we've got an important, I was going to say click, but maybe click is not a nice word. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice group wedge. Then the second is that very many people in South Africa are beginning to say no. The position of our country on this issue is unacceptable. I mean, COSATU, which is the main uh, labor federation, already said, I mean, that there ought to be a, a blockade of uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, they are a very, very significant um, constituency, they, they form part of the tripartite uh, alliance with the ANC and the uh, Communist Party and themselves. Uh, and, and so they, they are an, an, important, an important voice. But we are already also seeing a, the, the civil society in South, Af South Africa is being mobilized. People are saying uh, we were a very important part of the struggle against apartheid, um, and 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 we can't really be allowing 
this kind of thing to happen in our name. And, and, and so one is hoping, I mean, that they're going to be building up a kind of momentum that is going to make the government decide that they probably ought to change tech. Um, but I still am sad, and I think a lot of us are deeply saddened. I mean, we, we've, we've shocked people. This is, this is not the only occasion. I mean, we, in the Security Council, South Africa extraordinarily voted with China and, 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 and Russia to overturn a, 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 a very innocuous resolution on Burma. Uh, South Africa recently, too, has, has, has it seemed, stopped um, a resolution again on sanctions, targeted sanctions. And quite extraordinarily, we voted against a ban on cluster bombs. I mean, it's, it, it, it just shocks people who, who remember what happened in our struggle against apartheid when, when indeed we were, it was a noble struggle. Somehow there has to be a way to bring to critical mass, as there was in your struggle, something to be done about it. You know, I said we talk about the good as well as the bad, but there is another bad thing we've got to bring up. And after we have a round on that, we're coming to your questions, so get them ready. And I'm talking about Dufar, of course. Uh, Nicholas, you've written more than any other Western journalist, certainly in the United you States. Too much time. <laughs> I won't. But but here, here's my. You you tried to alert the world. Here's my question. Uh, as a journalist, as a reporter, I accompanied President Clinton to Rwanda to the airport in 1998 when he came and uh, sort of apologized for not mobilizing U.S. help to try to stop the genocide, and the people applauded him very politely. Now, the 800,000 people are so killed, I didn't hear anything from them about that. Maybe that was a cheap shot, but forgive me, because I come to the question here. Beginning with the first Bush administration and Colin Powell, the United States has pronounced genocide in Dufar. Why aren't we doing something to help stop it? We've, um, I mean, historically, we're doing exactly what we've always done. We're doing the same thing we did in, you know, from Rwanda, Cambodia, Bosnia, all the way back through the Holocaust, the Armenian genocide, and that is that you know, we don't respond to genocides because, frankly, we don't perceive it as in our national interest. And the uh, Bush administration isn't responding for the same reason that the Clinton administration didn't do anything in Rwanda, that it's this complex situation. We don't see national interests at stake. And on any given day, as a result, a president is reluctant to take any action because he thinks that then it'll just help put the issue on the agenda and it'll look, it'll be embarrassing when he doesn't resolve it. And um, so uh, you've had an extraordinary outpouring of reaction from students who've been real moral leaders on this and the White House has been completely AWOL on that and hundreds of thousands of people have died as a result. Well, okay, is your answer that we just don't do this because it's not in our national interest to stop genocide? No, and, and in fact, I would argue that it is in our national interest. I mean, I think it's a misperception on the part of the White House uh, that they don't see that. Um, I think that, in fact, there are various specific steps we can do. In the aftermath of Iraq, we don't have the ability to go into Sudan uh, and with ground troops. However, there are, I think that President Bashir's regime is a very practical, pragmatic one. I think they calculate the advantages of 
slaughtering people in rural Darfur and the disadvantages. And I think we haven't uh, created more um, advantages to stopping it. And I think a no-fly zone uh, over uh, Darfur imposed from Chad next door from an air base at Abeche uh, would be one way of doing that. Uh, I think that uh, if we put internationally more pressure on China, then uh, China is the main arms supplier to Sudan. I think that if China were to announce that it were suspending arms sales uh, to Sudan pending a resolution of Darfur, this is a piddling amount for China, it's about $75 million a year. Uh, I think that that would get Sudan's attention enough that it would then put pressure on Sudan. You would have a negotiated peace agreement there, and ultimately that is how it's going to end. Our que a question now for our two Africans, and I want you to be as frank as I know you will be, and that is, we went into Bosnia. We stopped it in Bosnia. Was that because they were white Europeans and because we're not coming into Africa because they are black Africans and we don't care that much? Madam President. I think uh, in the case of the United States, you're still um, suffering from what happened in Somalia. Fair enough. Uh, and the reluctance to, to put your boots on the ground and what could happen in what can easily become a hostile environment uh, sort, of, sort of limits you. I also believe that uh, we, we haven't put enough, we the Africans that is, have not shown enough you know, strong concern and, and said that, I mean, we, we know we, we have uh, limited capacity to intervene. Uh, we don't have the resources, the trade, manpower, et cetera, to do it, and we always say that. Um, but we also haven't shown any very strong statement of uh, objection to, to what's going on to be able to encourage uh, forces to join us or to provide the means whereby we could intervene effectively. And, 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 and there again, I say it's, um, it's, it's a reluctance to to admit and to recognize the evil among us. It's beginning to happen, as the bishop pointed out, uh, but not enough yet uh, to, to be able to, to, to force us to act.